Welcome to Huntington News's very first episode of Hot Off the Presses. I'm your host, Hannah Rossman. I am a third year media and screen studies major, as well as the audiovisual editor for the news. On this podcast, I will interview five or maybe six talented writers to learn more about their latest stories all of which are featured in this print issue of the paper. First, we'll hear about coverage of an emotional lecture from our city section. Then, the return of a restaurant from Lifestyle, followed by the campus section's profile of a game show contestant. Then, an op-ed about mental health in the opinion section. And last, but certainly not least, from our sports section, we will have not one, but two talented writers tell us about their coverage of a major event. First, from our city section, Deputy City Editor Katie Manning is going to tell us about her story, Philonis Floyd Honors His Brother Looks Forward. Yeah, I'm Katie Manning. I'm the deputy city editor for the Huntington News, and I'm also a first-year journalism and political science student. Delightful. Welcome, Katie. Thank you for being on the show. So what is your story about? So the story that I did this week was about Philonis Floyd, who is the late George Floyd's brother, and he recently gave a lecture hosted by the Boston Public Library and um, in partnership with a group called the Lowell Institute. And he kind of addressed, honestly, I think going into it, I thought it was going to be more general about his views on police brutality and racial injustice. But I think it was really interesting because it was kind of more of like just his memories of George as a child and like growing up together. And I think it was really interesting because it ended up being more of how he has memorialized his brother and how he like keeps, you know, remembering his brother. And I think that was really like, I really liked the personal aspect. That sounds so powerful. Whoa, that sounds amazing. So what got you interested in this story? Yeah, so I initially was just kind of looking at events that were happening centered around Black creators and activists in Boston, and I kind of stumbled on this one really last minute. Like, I think, honestly, I was looking for a replacement for another pitch that fell through, (laughs) and just like on a whim, I found it on the Boston Public Library website, but obviously I thought that it would be super relevant because, you know, we're kind of coming up on, like, just remembering George Floyd and I thought it would be really powerful. I also thought it was like really cool that such a big name was coming to Boston and doing stuff with the Boston Public Library. So yeah, I thought it'd be really cool to like highlight that. Yeah, it's incredibly awesome. I wish I had gone because that is definitely a big get for Boston. So who did you interview for this story? Yeah, so for this story, um, a lot of it was just writing down what Thelonis was lecturing about, kind of the questions. It was hosted by... Uh, David Leonard, who's the president of the Boston Public Library. So he was kind of offering commentary and asking questions of Philonis. And a lot of his responses were some of the most like powerful quotes that I got for the story. Mm-hmm. The lecture series that Philonis spoke at was um, a partnership between a lot of big Boston organizations. So 
We had the Lowell Institute, uh, also like GVH News, which is um, like radio news, has um, a program where they kind of help to sponsor these lectures. So I talked to representatives from GVH News, and then I also had a couple like email conversations with the Lowell Institute. So that was cool to just kind of discover more like Boston organizations that are putting time into these programs. But yeah, I think probably the most interesting person to hear from was Philonis himself. Definitely. But if it's a whole series, maybe we will be getting more coverage of more lectures from super cool people. So that's exciting. Yeah. The lecture series, the theme this year is hope, equity, and healing. And I thought it was really cool because in addition to like activists, they have really cool people with perspectives on things like self-help. Like I know there was one who was like an author of a book about, you know, happiness and like things like that. And also they had um, like a Buddhist monk. And so I think it was really cool because not only was it about activism, but you know, in the wake of coronavirus, it was how we can feel happier and, you know, feel a little bit better about everything that's going on. So yeah, it seems like a really cool series. Awesome. So last question, did you have a favorite quote? He said a lot of really, really cool things about Floyd and him in in childhood and I think that he painted a really good picture of George as like a very upstanding and involved community member and a great older brother he was the eldest of his siblings and I think that he was really trying to combat the narrative that a lot of people pushed after his death that you know he had been like a criminal I think the chief of police in Minneapolis called him like a violent criminal Oh yeah. He told this anecdote about how, even though George was really, really large for his age, he was terrified of things like mice, insects, like very small things. So my favorite quote from the lecture was when he said, just being around George had me laughing. He was different, but being who he was, he didn't care what people thought about him. When people were around him, they lit up. And I feel like I kind of expected Philonis to be very sad when he talked about his brother and, you know, understandably because of the way that he died, but he was always like the entire time that he was describing him in their childhood, he was always laughing. He was always smiling. Like he definitely had a very fond memories of his brother and he almost looked back with nostalgia. And so I think it was really cool to see how he clearly looked up to his older brother and to help us kind of understand that. And at the very end, there was a a commenter from the audience who kind of just said, you know, because you've told this story, George lives on in us. And I think that was really powerful to me because I kind of understood exactly what she was saying. I felt like I knew him as a person so much more because of this lecture. So that was really cool to hear. Next, from our lifestyle section, news correspondent Tiffany Pottenberg is going to tell us about her story, Students React to New Chick-fil-A Location in Copley Square. My name is Tiffany Pottenberg. I'm a second year history, culture, and law major. Um, I also am doing a concentration in gender and sexuality, and then I'm also minoring in biology, which I know is super random, but yeah. I kind of love it. So what is this story about? So it's pretty simple. It's just about how obviously all of us know the new Chick-fil-A location opened up in Copley Square. Some people were super hyped, others not so much. And so I just kind of go over a history of Chick-fil-A in Boston, 
a little bit into the whole donation controversy and then I interview a few students just to see what they think about it. Right, and so Chick-fil-A was banned for a while? So not exactly. There was an issue between the founders of Chick-fil-A or whoever was like intending to open a branch here and the mayor at the time who was Tom Menino he kind of threatened them that he didn't want them in Boston especially after all of the stuff came out back in 2012 about them like you know saying we don't support gay people and just kind of promoting very like traditional Christian values and Tom Menino basically said that he didn't think that they really fit well into the landscape of Boston and so they decided to back off for the time being and did not follow through with their plans. Interesting but now they're back so it's exciting. What got you interested in this story though? So it's kind of weird. I've actually never eaten at Chick-fil-A. I'm from upstate New York, so we don't have it there. But my roommate is from Pennsylvania, and so they have it there. And he is gay and does not support it whatsoever. I know last year when they had the truck on campus, he would always be like, oh my god, like I can't believe all these people are going to it. And so when I saw it pop up on the slate, I was like, this could be interesting because I know he's super into it and like... It made me become interested in it, and so that's kind of why I chose to write this story. That is such a cool personal connection. So who did you end up interviewing for this story? So I initially reached out to NU Pride to see if they had anyone that was interested, but they didn't. So I kind of ended up just utilizing different like contacts that I have. So like I'm an SGA, so I posted something in our Slack to see if anyone there was interested in interviewing. And one of my interviewees, Ryan, that's how he ended up coming to get interviewed. And actually so was Zach, he's the VP of sustainability and he was also interested in commenting. And then the other one is I'm like in a group me that's like for my entire class. So like 2024. And so I also posted something there. And my third interviewee is from there. So awesome. Yeah. I love the crowdsourcing. That's so (laughs) So do you have a favorite quote from this article? Uh, Well, all three of them like said such amazing stuff. It was like so hard to pick like what to put in because they had such good commentary. I really liked Isabella. She was an environmental studies major and so she kind of discussed like not only the issues surrounding like homophobia and their donations, but also like the environmental impact of Chick-fil-A and um, just kind of their practices and that aspect of it, which I think is like another super important part of it. That's something that I know I care about. And so I was really glad she said something about it so that I could also work that into my article. The next story is from our campus section. It is a profile of the NU student who is going to be on College Jeopardy this Friday. Design editor Jessica Shing is going to tell us about it. My name is Jessica Shing. I'm a first year design major with a minor in journalism and I'm deputy design editor of the Hun News. Awesome. We are so happy to have you on the podcast. 
First of all, what is your story about? So my story is about a fifth year student at Northeastern named Liz Feltner, and she will be competing on the Jeopardy National College Championships. So I just interviewed her about, you know, her preparation, how she got on the show. That's awesome. I actually know her just to like (laughs) be up front. She is super cool. I will be watching her on Friday and feeling all the school spirit cheering her on. So what got you interested in this story? Well, I've always been like a huge fan of Jeopardy. So seeing a student from my school being on it, it's kind of a big deal to me. (laughs) I kind of wanted to just like know her process and like how she was able to achieve something so amazing like that. Yeah, I, I want to know that too. So did you just interview Liz or anyone else? Yeah, I interviewed her roommate and one of her close friends. That's awesome. Did they give you any extra insights into her that you know she didn't necessarily volunteer? Yeah, it was interesting seeing how busy Liz was last semester preparing for the show from their perspective and how excited they were for her. Generally only had positive things to say about her. (laughs) I, you know, as someone who knows her, I can attest she is truly the most impressive, most delightful person I've ever met. And she knows everyone too. Like I have like five friends who I know from different places that I know her who are also friends with her because she's just everywhere. But do you have a favorite quote from the story? I would say my favorite part while interviewing her was when she mentioned that she got the text from the producer actually on her birthday. So that was very shocking to me. I didn't know that. That's so cool. That was, I think, unplanned by the producers too. So Okay, very (laughs) lucky. That is awesome. Any other thoughts you would like to share before we wrap up? I would just say definitely watch Liz on Jeopardy. (laughs) It's airing at 8 p.m. have an op-ed from our opinion section. This is written by contributor Jethro Lee. It is entitled, When it comes to mental health, men need to feel more heard. Hi, my name is Jethro Ronald Lee. Uh, I am a combined major in data science and psychology with a minor in music. I'm a first year and this is my first year in Huntington News and I am primarily an op-ed writer. Awesome. So can you tell us what your story is about? So the story that I wrote was concerning mental health regarding men. I wanted to raise up this issue because I feel like in the spirit of the progressiveness that has really arose in these past years, I want to emphasize the, I guess, gender divisions in terms of how people perceive men as how they should always be strong and how that promotes toxic masculinity Mm. especially in a time as anxious as the pandemic i felt like it was important that men felt heard i wanted to validate that it was okay for men to speak about their anxieties and their tensions and how it's not unmanly to do so and i feel like there's this unfortunate pressure because like, as I mentioned, with toxic masculinity, and it's like very inspiring to see some people, like I wrote about Justin Baldoni in my article and like his TED talk about how he wants to tackle this issue. And even with like women like Simone Biles who forced herself to 
stay away from the Olympic stage purely for her mental health sake. Just seeing like all these figures, celebrities using their popularity to discuss mental health and bring more awareness toward it really inspired me to write about this article. I was mostly inspired by, I mentioned the TED Talk by Justin Baldoni. It's called like Man Enough. It was really inspiring to see his story and how despite being this, I guess, macho or like very muscular and like manly looking figure, he was still able to express some tensions he had regarding being like in a family and how like how he experienced his stress just as much as the common individual despite being this celebrity on like a popular TV show. Yeah. Another question I was wondering about was how did you find the statistics and do the research that you needed to do for your article? Yeah, mostly information I found online or I mixed in some of my personal experiences into the article as well because I want to add in a personal element to it to make it more humane and more inviting towards my readers. Yeah. So did you have a favorite thing about writing this article? I guess just like the feeling that I could create a huge impact with this article because I feel like before I really underestimated the power of journalism but I think now I'm realizing that even though like my articles aren't directly promoting change or directly creating these big social movements I feel like they have the potential to spark at least discussions about these issues and they can foster communities with like-minded individuals who want to bring the changes that I want to see into action. So I feel like in this instance, the pen is mightier than the sword. Yeah, just the thought of using that tool is what excited me to write this article. Finally, from our sports section, sports editor Anna Chea and deputy sports editor Alex Sumas are going to tell us about their coverage of the men's Beanpot semifinal. My name is Anna Chea. I'm a first year and I'm majoring in journalism and criminal justice. And I'm the sports editor at Hunt News. And I'm Alex Sumas. I'm a third year uh, journalism major psych minor and I'm the deputy sports editor here at Hunt News. Can you guys tell me what your story is about? So Alex and I went to the Beanpot semifinals. And so basically for Hunt News, we just kind of did a game recap of the game and attended a few press conferences. Yeah, so the game was on Monday night, um, the 7th. Um, It was at TD Garden, and it was really exciting because Anna and I got to be in the press box, so we felt very official, and it was just like a really great experience. I think also just as Northeastern students to kind of get the different perspective of like watching the fan section and the game was really cool. So this may be related to what you just said, Alex, but um, what made you interested in writing this story? you know, this is just like a huge story. This is, you know, leading up to the biggest hockey game of the year, which, you know, is kind of our premier sport here at Northeastern. Um, Also, I think there's a lot of hype going into this game. Northeastern has won the Beanpot the past three years in a row. There wasn't a tournament 
last year just because of COVID. So I think there's a lot of hype, you know, going into this and seeing if Northeastern's gonna pull off the four P and also, you know, going into this next game, really exciting because um, Northeastern will now be facing BU just as they did in 2020. Yeah, I think it's uh, kind of like what Alex said, since there wasn't one last year, I think it's also very exciting for all of the Northeastern students and it's kind mm. of a breath of normal again after these past few years with the pandemic and everything going on it's kind of something that we can look forward to that you know okay college hockey tournaments are returning and I think it's just really nice to bring everyone together especially the four schools again yes our two favorite things are hating BU and hating COVID so this really brings them together in a beautiful way who did you interview for this story and how did you get your quotes? So there were two press conferences that between the two of us, we attended. There was a pregame press conference that happened the day before. So on Sunday with Jim Madigan, who was the former head coach and is being inducted into the Hall of Fame on the championship game. And then team captain Jordan Harris, along with head coach Jerry Keefe. And then the post-game press conference that Alex and I both attended was with Jerry Keefe once again, and then TJ Septenfelter, who's the freshman goalie. The coolest part of that press conference was the fact that they brought out freshman goalie TJ Septenfelter. He is currently filling in for Devin Levi, who is in Beijing for the 2022 Olympics right now, playing for Team Canada. This, I mean, was just an insane game for TJ because he came in having played three previous games for Northeastern. This was his fourth time in net for Northeastern. He had just had his first win on Friday. So he's currently filling the skates of an Olympian. He's got one win under his belt. It's game four of his Northeastern career, and he's in the bean pot. And not only that, but now we're going up for our four peat. And he had the most incredible game, completely just in the zone, in complete control of his body, just making like masterful saves. And that was really exciting to see because you can just kind of tell like this was a career launching game. And so, yeah, we were really happy to kind of get to hear him talk. And, you know, he just, at, during the press conference, spoke about how much this game meant to him. And um, a quote from him is, I was just excited to have this unbelievable opportunity. And I just wanted to make the most of this position that I'm in. Wow. He is definitely, you know, one that we should be keeping our eyes on for sure, I guess. So did you guys have a favorite part about reporting this story? I think my favorite part was just the fact that we even had the opportunity to sit in the press box. We, Alex and I have never been in the press box before. So this was definitely an experience and we didn't really know what we were walking into. So we did get a little lost in the press <laughs> box, um, but it was just so cool to be looking around and seeing like just these huge sports reporters that, you know, people look up to, I look up to, like, I think we were sitting in between BC's student reporters and Nesson, and you're walking around the press box just seeing these reporters who, you know, I watched on TV growing up, which is right. an insane experience. Yeah, I think going off of what Anna said, it was also just 
great to be able to witness and be kind of a part of, you know, documenting such a big game for our school. And I think also, you know, it, there's a real like sense of community there. You know, you're walking in and you're running into your friends on the tee and in the garden. Yeah. Me personally, like my dad was at the game. My brother's texting me. We're running around between periods trying to get quotes from students. And then just to see the excitement when we finally won and knowing that, you know, the atmosphere is going to be times 10 hyped up for the finals. Um, yeah. It's just cool to know that we're part of this big moment. Well, that does it for this episode. Thank you to Katie Manning, Tiffany Pottenberg, Jessica Shing, Jethro Lee, Anna Chea, and Alex Sumas for sharing their journalistic processes with us. Be sure to check out their articles in the print edition of the Huntington News. I have been your host, Hannah Rossman. If you would like to hear more from me, check out my other podcast, Media Matchmaker, on our website or on Spotify. Thank you so much for listening and tune in again for our next print issue.